Welcome to the CBD Ed Show with Ed Cheney, a CBD industry expert and business executive. In this program, we will discuss the uses of CBD and other methods of treatment that are alternatives but also complement conventional medicines. Now, here is your host, Ed Cheney. Welcome to the CBD Ed Show. I'm your host, Ed Cheney, along with beautiful Kimberly Rose who is sporting a matching pair of green spectacles <laughs> with her beautiful outfit. <laughs> yes, I always try and match. Mm. Uh, thank you, Ed, Yeah, yeah for the compliment. Yes, and hello, everyone. It looks very trendy today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get older, you got to try, try and at least put two together. Look a little put together. Oh, my goodness. I'm pretty sure we get comments all the time saying can you guys go back on video please and i don't dare ask why because they're all going to say it's not about you ed (laughs) so anyway here we are today talking about current marijuana impairment testing yes let's remember it this is not about cbd because there is no impairment with cbd nicely put you are correct but We are in the cannabis world, and that is a super hot topic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure all the listeners we have today are, please tell us what the hell is going on. Because, my goodness, do you know, since 1987, they still to date do not have any scientific methodology to demonstrate impairment on, uh, on THC. I'll say that again. Since 1987, when they enacted the need for this, there still, to date, has been nothing that's been capable of meeting that need. Well, nothing, I, not I, a single thing. Yeah. Not I, even close. There's just so much. I mean, everybody is different again. So one person can take, you know, 30, 40 milligrams at a time one person can only take five and the level of intoxication might kind of be the same but it might it's just yes it's hard you are correct it's it's really about the difficulty and measuring what they consider the window of impairment is and this is generally accepted is three hours after consumption Mm -hmm. that's what they consider the window of impairment and they can't figure out how to measure the inside of that window to test for impairment. And they certainly can test, but that test is relevant through up all the way up to 24 hours. So they can't, it's, it's more so that they can't define it into this period. And you're right, human body changes, but they have decided it's a generally accepted for everybody is within that three hour period. They just can't tell. Yeah tell when you know without questioning and as we move on you'll see what the topics that will be today will be what are the current testing methods we're also going to talk about employer restrictions on cannabis testing okay that is a huge subject we knew it was huge i think the general population knows there's a problem but they don't know much about it it's not anything that is you know, super easy to find out, but I can tell you a lot of people are inquiring. When, well, when it, I when I Google marijuana impairment testing problems, you know how many how many results I get? Take a guess. Well, it's got to be at least in the hundreds, if not the thousands. All right, are you ready for this number? Yeah. All right, now you know when you type in something as specific as I did, I typed in marijuana impairment testing problems. 4 million results. Oh, goodness. Now, let's go to Google Scholar because Google Scholar is just going to be about things that are more science-based, clinical-based, some things that have some reputation behind it. And I typed in the same words, marijuana impairment testing problems. 92,000 results. A large percentage of them are those who have been tasked with studying how to solve this issue 
It's a huge issue. Well, probably the biggest reason is because uh, THC stays in the body. It, it goes to the fat and it stays there. And they haven't found a way to not recognize it. Yeah. I mean, you gradually eliminate it, yeah. but it's not. But chronic users, it's more. Mm -hmm. All right. And then next problem that showed up was recreational use. Yeah. Federally and state legalized recreational use bam problem number two yeah so now employers have been pulled into this problem hey you know what you pop positive on your urinalysis so you're fired three months later they get a lawsuit lawsuit comes back and says yeah i lost three months worth of pay my house got taken away from me Two of my children got sick because I wasn't able to. And so here's your $3 million lawsuit. Mm -hmm. Wow. And a lawyer has nothing. I mean, I'm sorry. The employer has no recourse but the lawyer up. And the lawyers know what to do. But you know who doesn't know what to do? The judge doesn't know what to do. Yeah, because you can swear I, I did consume cannabis. And on it's my legal on my time off right and it's legal but it is still in my body yeah but i did not i was not impaired while employed yeah so if you remember last year we had a discussion on this and i said hey listen i did some digging and i talked to some of my peers and they said yeah we can test but we don't mm -hmm. and if we see so we do the panel with all seven uh different uh scheduled drugs on it and if marijuana comes up, we just ignore it. Wow. Because now the that's exposure not... is huge. It's <laughs> totally huge. Yeah. And then when you get customers, you still have a lot of fear. Ah, I can't lose my job. Oh, I get tested all the time. Oh, this. Oh, that. And, and I'm talking about as early as last week, last mm -hmm. month, right? This year. There is still a huge concern in the public eye of those employers who they think are testing right well they still are testing they're just not they're adjusting because their exposure is way too big now some of them that do not fall under this conversation i'm having department of transportation any of these that are federal state agencies they have a mandate to test and a mandate on how to respond to those tests so they can't really have the freedom that a private or a public company, public company a little less, but they don't have the freedom to be able to make decisions on what to do with the outcome or when to do it stuff. But anyway, still to date, huge problems. I would think as an employer, um, possibly you would rely on, let's say, your managers, the people that are hands on with yeah. the employee that can see that they are clearly impaired that's right and observational not able to conduct they just can't do their job because yeah. at some point your impairment level you just can't when they when this crisis first stirred up about two and a half years ago i think is when we first started talking about it on a show that that was some of the more employers who are a little bit more i don't know i i, I would say kind of reactive you know, more, you know, working on working with real trends, those employers did. They put out policies and training to the management managerial levels on how to uh, assess for impairment. Right. And that's what they relied on. You are absolutely right. So they got rid of maybe the, the testing part of it, but they stepped up the, the physical uh, the physical observations of impairment and then reacted on those. Maybe even that reaction might have been a little different, might have been call them in first and or something like that. Right. Have so a conversation first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But some were still just, you know, hey, I, what old school? What? You know, give me your analysis. I'll teach them. Yeah. And then, bam, you know, you spend the next two years, you know, with high cost attorneys and, and then finally, litigation. And then finally, something weird happens because the judge doesn't know what to do either. And, it's just weird. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, hey, let's 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 see what some companies are doing. Let's see what some uh, states are doing. Okay. Because listen, and and you got you still have to base 
all of this that we discussed today on the one fact there is currently no test method that can determine impairment currently no not a not even close yeah weird right i mean kim you and i have heard one entrepreneur right after another going here's a new test and we get all excited because you know we want to do a show on it then three months later gone Mm-hmm. And that's happened three times, I think. Yeah. That I'm aware of. Who knows how many times it's happened and never made it to the news or anything like that. Yeah. You know? Again, again, I think the difficulty's got to be um, it. You just don't. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. The metabolite stays in your body, but you you're no longer under the influence of that metabolite. It's yeah. no longer. You know. I don't know. Is it a blood test? It's definitely not a urine test. That's already been kicked off the off the shelf. And now they're talking about a, a you know a saliva a saliva swap yeah. or a breath test. Yeah. Yeah, they seem to get a little bit closer to identifying the when it was taken. But that's uh, but- like an immediate thing. Like you gotta catch them like right. Yeah. there at that yeah. time. And I have, do have a little bit of information that we can remind our audience. We shared it a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I still have some, uh, I, I will still share some of that information. Mm-hmm. It, it was with the Department of Transportation. Uh, anyway, so based on that, so we know that because recreation is now legal in 19 states, that means 19 states are facing this problem that mm-hmm. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Employers doing a urinalysis drug test, making some consequence of being positive with THC and then getting backlash from an employee because in those 19 states, uh, off-duty use is 100% legal. 100% legal. Absolutely legal. Uh, dude, I had that yesterday, uh, 12 hours ago and yesterday was Sunday and why'd you fire me? Yeah. Because you were impaired. Uh, no, it wasn't. Right. Uh, because you're not supposed to smoke marijuana. Uh, yes, I am. I, it, I can. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe he's medical. Right. Maybe it's a medical use. Sure. And so no, the answer could still be yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. If I stop smoking this, I have serious health concerns and now I can't work for you for that reason. So, uh, no. So why'd you fire me? Ah, I see. Okay. All right. You'll be talking to my lawyer next. All right. Now, now put yourself in the state's position, the state, 19 of them going, uh, well, uh, we can't have these companies shutting down. We can't have them not able to pay our taxes. We can't have them have high rates of unemployment because the, the response from all these counter lawsuits So what are the states doing? All right. So laws for restricting employer cannabis testing have started. And as of this year, the D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser signed a bill that restricted employee testing. This is in Washington, D.C. in Connecticut. Law that limits adverse employment actions from off-duty use. So you can show, uh, so in the state of Connecticut, you can show a positive test, but the employer has been restricted on what those actions were allowed to be. So probably the first level is a conversation. Something like that, Maybe then you go to like some sort of drug rehabilitation. It's an offer, stuff like that. Kind of like the NFL and the professional sports people are trying to do right right because there are some big consequences there too if some Mm -hmm. this thing got sideways on them uh rhode island the same thing enacted a law that limits employer testing for off-duty use so limits employer testing those define limits if you're in rhode island you might know them and but just to consider this is a trend of things that are happening so when they when they restrict it that means that you know, you're going to have to go to more steps if you're going to act on a test result or you're not allowed to do a test result on certain days, you know, maybe at the beginning of the week. And I don't know. Right. But there has to be some restrict. They're putting restrictions in there. So you have currently eight states, Washington, D.C., and three major cities. 
that have employee testing restriction laws. Okay. Right? Eight. Yeah. Well, you know, in the level, there's, I, as far as I know, again, there's three, maybe four tests that you can do. Mm-hmm. The urine, again, it's got, it was the cheapest. So that's probably why all the employers went in that direction. Yeah. Um, but it is not, it doesn't work. It does not work for um, proving that your employee is intoxicated while on the job. Yeah. So then blood, blood is very expensive, a blood test. Um, it requires a phlebotomist and blah, blah, blah. And you mm-hmm. got to have all that. So, and consent and all the things. So the oral swab sounds like the best, but I don't know how effective it is for, um, again, like you said, there's no, there's no test that's actually proven to give you a level of intoxication. Correct. Correct. And so let's just go to that oral swab. So the U S department of transportation, has finalized a rule to amend its drug testing policy in a way that could significant impact implications for truckers, commercial drivers, pilots, and other federally regulated transit workers who use marijuana off the job, who use marijuana off duty. Mm-hmm. Whether it be recreational or medical, they're not dis- discerning between the two. Mm-hmm. All right. This, uh, this, notice was published last month the department said it has completed the rulemaking process for the policy change which would allow oral saliva drug testing as an alternative to urine now to kimberly's point same thing they're looking for the byproduct they're looking for that metabolite that is produced when your body has thc in it yes or it's millions metabolizing thc there's a metabolite there that gets measured, and it can be in uh, your blood, urine, saliva, and hair. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, THC is generally detectable in the saliva anywhere for 1 to 24 hours after use, according to the Department of Transportation. Okay. Therein lies what you suggested. It's, it can be detected from 1 to 24 hours. But nothing after that. So at least they're not picking up on those who it could be in their body for two weeks. Sure. They went on vacation. They had a great time. Right, they right. came back. and So they're closing that window. Yeah. But it still it falls under the same problem. There is no current way to test for marijuana impairment. This just closed the window down. Yeah. All right. So DOT finalized its rules and also set it to four nanograms per milliliter screening test cutoff for the THC. It was five. They moved it down to four. Um, which said in its earlier notice would detect use of marijuana while eliminating possibilities of positive test results from passive exposure. So by removing that to, or moving that down to four nanometers, and I apologize, it wasn't at five. I don't remember what it was because I, we are talking about saliva. Yeah. So they adjusted it up is what they did. And this statement reminded me of that. Would detect use of marijuana while eliminating possibilities of positive tests resulting from passive exposure. Passive exposure may have triggered, you know, a much lower number. Mm-hmm. So they raised it up to four to remove that possibility. Okay. So not only did they shorten the window, so if it if you had use more than 24 hours ago, uh, you were not going to show up. And if it was passive, maybe you were in a room with somebody doing it, the likelihood it would not show up is what the two things they wanted to remove. Okay. And they did remove it. Good. Yeah. So this was all effective as of last month. Actually, I think it went in, it goes in June 1st, if I'm not correct. Uh, I'd have to go back, but anybody who wants to Google it, you'll find it very easily. The, it would be called the Department of Transportation Rule to Amend Drug Testing. Anyway, let's, let's, uh, let's just say, so they have adapted to that. I think the general, the general, employer pool is probably still using those very inexpensive tests 
I can. We we bought them. We've used them for lots of different reasons, not for testing our employees, uh, but for understanding uh, levels of this byproduct from chronic use of full spectrum CBD products. Remember that long yes. clinical? And we would have loved to have published that study until we found out the minimum to publish that kind of data was $700,000 and could get up to $3 million. Yeah. A little spending. I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, how about we just share this information with our clients? Yeah. <clears throat> that was a lot less expensive. Anyway, uh, but we use these drug sticks to help us determine uh, what rate of, of the metabolite that was produced, knowing that uh, from a urinalysis, it was a minimum, their, their minimum target amount was 50 nanograms of this metabolite per one milliliter of urine. Okay. And so that's what we worked with. And we use these little drug sticks. Uh, and those were like, I don't know, what do we pay? Like, I don't know, $30 for 10 of them or something like that. Maybe. Probably. It's I, been quite a while. Yeah, it wasn't super expensive. Well, in quite a while means everything's been doubled. So, But I mean, that is one thing. If you have a concern, like say you're going for a new job or, you know, you know, you're going to be this is a doing good point things like make. that, yeah. that you can purchase these, you know, a 10 pack, let's uh -huh. say for 30 bucks, um, even off of Amazon, I think we, you can get them yep. and you can test yourself. Now it's only going to be positive or negative. It's not going to give you a level, Correct. although there might be new tests out that I don't know about that give you levels, but right. at any rate, um, that way you can monitor before you go for this new job and say, I would say if you're a, a daily user, yep of THC, definitely give yourself 30 days and flush, do a lot of water flushing and flushing. And, um, obviously, unfortunately, the more body fat you have, the more you the, store, the, the more you will store. So yeah. the longer it will take, but they say it's about 30 days if you're yeah. a chronic user to eliminate. Yes. Yes. And do we have to make a disclaimer? Are you an affiliate for this test stick company? No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, no. all right, all right. Quit joking around. Kim. I'm just saying you can buy them on there and that, test yourself. Listen, that was a very good idea for those of you who are still concerned. You're in this still this very odd gray position. They don't have the ability. Your employer may and, and did suggest that they test, or you're concerned about a test going into new employment. Kim's right. Go online, uh, and it's easy to find TAC test sticks. Yeah, because I think those employers that are hiring someone new and they have, let's say, six applicants and yep. two of them test positive, they're like, okay, these two are just automatically off the board and let's look at these. Four. Yeah. So, yeah. So I know. Well, all right. Now, why? Now, if you if you move our conversation, if you move our conversation over to traffic and accidents, driving under impairment getting pulled over by the police. Our conversation changes a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Because this one is a real issue. Okay. Driving a while impaired, a DU. Under a, the influence. Drug influenced impairment uh, while driving. I know they have an, a term there, but uh, anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a real deal. Oh, yeah. So um, let me tell you. Let me tell you. All right. Kim's not going to like this one at all, but I'm going to share anyway. So there was a research paper I read. Title of this uh, article, this research paper was called Understanding Patterns in Marijuana Impaired Traffic Crashes. Say that again. Understanding Patterns in Marijuana Impaired Traffic Crashes. Huh. Why do they need to do this? Because, again, they don't have the ability to test for when you're impaired. So maybe then the observation at the crash site was helping them in such a way. They have a, the, the, the police department has a whole department assigned to just this task they, yeah. of assessing impairment. Right. All right. Yeah. Yes. So I know you know a lot about it. And we'll get to that because actually Kim was, at, uh, was able to interview a, a, a police officer. How many years on the force? 16 plus. 16 plus. Yeah. So, um, so good insight, but she'll share that in a bit, but, uh, I, so this is, remember, this is the part she's not going to like. Anyway, here are the results of their finding. The findings reveal several key risk 
patterns, including oh, everybody's going at me. Female drivers at intersections involved in multiple vehicle right angle crashes. <laughs> All right, whatever. Multiple vehicle head on crashes at two lane roadways with no separation. Oh, wow. Drifting. Drifting into oh, oncoming traffic. Yeah. Multiple vehicle rear end crashes at two lane roadways with separation. Hmm. So that means there's a separation in there. So they're not able to cross over and get out of the way. Boom, 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 boom. Multiple crashes. Careless single vehicle, careless single vehicle crashes. Single vehicle crashes during dark with no street lights and open country interstate crashes. These are all the findings that have a pattern related to mar- marijuana impairment. Huh. And that I, I did the exact same thing. I went, yeah. Huh. And then I could start to see that. Well, I mean, you could okay, wa- wandering so, the wandering mind. Right. It's the one. Wa- it's the slowing down. Yeah. It's the wandering. It's not yeah. being able to focus. Mm-hmm on things not so much your folk some people are like beyond paranoid right and hyper focused um but they miss the little things i think it's any impairment honestly is it falls under this cat yeah. these categories really and we know everybody's not like but this right. is the general mm-hmm. the general population so if they were to I, I think i saw the number in this study i think they only reviewed 75 people but they're study the process of their study was extremely intense though hmm. uh, they had these people for an entire month okay yeah and they'd each gotten into some sort of an accident while impaired or uh, um i think there was a combo pack of what impairment was what accidents were related to those type of impairments it was a combo package of a lot of this yeah yeah i, I it's it was a big study uh and I only really wanted to share that part because that was the most entertaining. <laughs> the woman part. <laughs> oh my goodness. First of all, let's just stop that right now because it impairs males and females. Oh, males are great drivers. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it impairs males and females on the same level, but yeah. as far as a driving, I would think I, I don't know. I've never driven impaired. I'm not I'm I'm a big chicken. Yeah. I'm just not that person. Yeah, yeah, good for you, babe. All right, listen. <laughs> uh, let's do this. So we have other great information, including uh, Kim sharing uh, the outcome from her interview with a uh, long-standing police officer who is in that area uh, of traffic enforcement uh-huh. uh, and so forth. Anyway, so let's take a break. And when we come back, more on marijuana impairment testing, but now from that perspective of traffic accidents detection stuff like that okay yeah so after the break make sure you come back follow voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts Live authentically, heal naturally with Canafil. We have three unique blends for pain relief, reducing stress, and promoting healthy sleep. Visit Canafil.com for the convenience of online shopping that includes free shipping. Or if you're in Arizona, stop by our store in Phoenix for personal consultation and product selection. Our friendly staff is here to help you. All of our products have full third-party testing and a seven-day satisfaction guarantee. Call 480-599-1003 or visit Canafil.com. Canafil, giving you your life back. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice of America Variety Channel. 
Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. You are tuned in to the CBD Ed Show. If you have a question that you'd like addressed on a future episode of our program, please send an email to info at the com. That's info at the com. Now, back to the CBD Ed Show. Welcome back to the CBD Ed Show. Here we are talking about marijuana impairment testing. It's a sticky subject. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> if you know marijuana, you know the haha about that. Right. It's right. a little sticky. Okay. All right. So let's talk about how old school the police did it old school. Okay. Detectioning it and breath was probably the most recent old school. Uh, I think there was some uh, way back when green a green tongue. Um, oh no kidding yeah red red bloodshot eyes oh of course that falls but for both uh marijuana and alcohol okay um the green tongue was was pretty funny but that's back in the day when there was just the flower being smoked and there weren't edibles and vape cartridges and all the different ways you can do that now right right and so those yeah yeah mask it up pretty good well with the uh, current breast sampling some of these devices can actually measure THC down to several parts per trillion. So some of these devices are very, very capable. Irregardless, studies found that levels of THC in the breast, saliva, or other fluids do not reflect levels of impairment. Mm-hmm. So as a result, these tests could show up in court and be found useless. Yeah, it's just it is it's difficult. I mean, they yeah. will figure it out mm-hmm. um, someday. But right now, um, even my conversation with this officer, he was um, well. First of all, he is not a drug de- detection officer. So, uh, so I think what they call them are drug recognition experts. There you go. D R E. Right. Yes. Yeah. He is not. He is just, I don't want to say just a street cop. He's on the street. So yeah. he's your first person that you're going to encounter if you are pulled over for okay. whatever. Okay. And then there's signs of impairment. Um, so they'll, so he'll look for signs of, of impairment. Sure. If there's, a, you know, obvious signs. He, um, now he did there's a bong sitting on the passenger seat. Well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those are definite uh, (laughs) signs. Um, But he did say, you know, there's there's not a lot of signs. Sometimes he'll do what's called an HGN test on an individual, which is um, horizontal gaze nystagmus is field sobriety test. Basically, the officer will look at your eyes. Uh He'll have you standing up in front of him and he'll do, you know, with a pen or something and he'll go from right to left in front of your eyes and you have to follow the pen. Okay. Your eyes. Now, this was really used mainly for um, alcohol impairment. Yeah, I I remember that one too. um, I would think that your eye movement is also um, altered while you're in, you know, intoxicated with THC. Okay. So it's just a little bit of a jerking motion that happens. You don't flow with the pen. Okay. And if you come up with these four cues, they call them while he's doing that, then he might call the expert in. We yeah. don't have video here, but she just did an HDN on me. Hey, by the way, did my move? <laughs> well, you have glasses on, so <laughs> I don't really, and I have glasses on, so who knows who's seeing what here? Um, at any rate, uh, 
that is, you know, every once in a while, he did say alcohol still is um, higher okay. um, on uh, on the level of than THC as far as getting pulled over for impairment. Yeah. Um, right. But the the experts are really the ones that are and it's usually a blood. Uh, it's no longer a okay. urine. Okay. Now, and I think the DREs are a response to uh, the other issues that the police department was having, especially in states where marijuana was legalized, you know, like in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, again, you can't just use the traditional methods because you could be accounting for something that was passive or uh, from days ago mm-hmm. and you're not impaired, but you are you know, now showing up in court and wasting the court's time and. Uh, other kinds of outcomes uh, that are undesirable for the state. So I would imagine a lot of the states, that was probably one of their biggest solutions was to uh, put together a group, DREs, who could then use some stuff like that study I shared, you know, use that information to help train them, uh, use other research data that had been accumulating over the years since, you know, Right. How many did I say there were? Mm -hmm. 90,000 responses to the question about testing problems with THC. And that was just on Google Scholar. So uh, they have a lot amassed a lot of data that I'm pretty sure they can use that we don't even know about. And they're not going to share it with us either. Right. So so your first level is, you know, you might get some questioning. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, have you? done alcohol or have you drank alcohol have you smoked any have you done any marijuana today and then if there's some you know mix-ups or mishaps because when you're under the influence of whatever you're usually not you're you know you're not the sharpest tool in the shed and then that's one clue and then you go on to a next clue and it's it's i think they're following the guidelines of a dui basically and then they call in the expert the expert also is the person that will be there in court well Mm -hmm. the first officer also also but he will be there testifying to his theory of your level in toxic of intoxication during the driving time and marijuana is a lot different than uh alcohol it's much slower and you peak and you stay there for two or three hours so it it, there's a lot of science that has to go into Mm -hmm. that um yeah i mean it says dre drug recognition expert did mm -hmm. not say alcohol recognition expert Mm -hmm. right yeah so it's different right alcohol and drugs whatever drug it is you might be under the influence of while driving yeah so uh and as a user listen so this sounds you know hey you know if you are under the influence while driving then you're you're not liking this but if you're the rest of the population of recreation or medical user users you probably can appreciate that these dres exist because if you relied solely on the current methods of testing, which are apparently bogus, and you could have smoked it yesterday, uh, and today you get pulled over and you have one of those tests, and now you are being cited and hauled off to jail or whatever for being under the influence mm-hmm. uh, from this inaccurate testing, you must, as we go through this, I, I can just say that group might appreciate that they're working hard in absence of real scientific testing yeah, to still be able to overcome, um, overcome these for those who are using this as legally, recreationally, and or medicinally. Right. Okay. I don't think, uh, again, I, I think a long time ago, everybody thought, oh my God, this is just a giant moneymaker, these DUIs yes, and all this is just, and to some degree, yes, but it's a lot of work and a lot of manpower. So I don't think anybody wants to just give you, you know, uh, a driving under the influence ticket and send you through that process without having some sort of expert there to say, no, you really, really were. You were, and you know you were. So um, I, I just say don't do it. I mean, just just stay home. Isn't that what 
THC people, I mean, marijuana smokers tend to do anyway. It's not like a party drug. It's not like a let's get up and go somewhere, drive around and do all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Now, I did a little uh, a little homework, too. Um, And mine was to investigate California's uh, DRE steps. Mm-hmm. And see if uh, see if they come in line with because uh, your uh, was a local police uh, an Arizona based police officer am I correct Yeah yeah so let's see how California might have uh, done theirs uh, so this is the DRE the the drug recognition experts this is their twelve step process in California a breath alcohol test to rule out the influence of alcohol. Mm-hmm. interview the arresting officer to learn more about the behavior, driving, and appearance, ask you what you ate or drank recently, as well as what drugs or medication you are currently using while noting your behavior and taking your pulse. Right. So they're asking you that question, making an observation, and also have their thumb on your your wrist, I would imagine. How cool. Anyway, conduct an eye examination. You already shared that. Administer... Four divided attention test, also known as field sobriety tests, a modified Romberg balance test, the walk and turn test, the one-legged stand test, and the finger-to-nose test. Then they take your temperature, blood pressure, and pulse. Then they measure your pupil size in different lighting conditions. Then they look for muscle rigidity or flaccidity. Then they check for syringe injection sites while taking your pulse for the third time. They Mirandize you and then ask a series of questions about your drug and marijuana use. Step number 11 is decide whether there is a probable cause to believe that you are impaired by a drug or not and if you are suspected of impairment. And then finally, arrest you and perform a toxicology examination, including saliva swab, a blood test, and a urine test. So apparently all three now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so that is, um, again, a very expensive, thorough test that you go through. So it's, you know, it's, it's very thorough. I mean, they're not, they're not there because you, you cannot go into court and not have all of this testing and science behind behind it because uh, a DUI, a driving under the influence, alcohol or whatever, um, is serious. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and you should note that I did read that not all jurisdictions have the same rules for the DREs, that is the drug recognition experts. Some states or counties do not have DREs at all. Where they are not available, the officer who initiates a traffic stop will they'll perform the DUI investigation as they've probably done in the past. Right, right. Well, I mean, I'm sure in your smaller cities that that is the case. Um, here in Arizona, we don't really have a small city. Uh, I mean, we do way out where, but mm-hmm. in the inner city. Uh, yeah, so they go through an enormous amount of training. And it, for those people that are out driving, uh you know, not intoxicated, we have to appreciate the fact that those people that are maybe might not be on the road as often as they should be. You know what I mean? Because they've been removed by. Let's talk about, so I'm going to read. So this, this was another, the National Institute of Justice Supported Researchers from the RTI International did a study on how specific cannabis dose and administration methods, meaning eaten or vape, affect THC levels in the body and how that correlates with performance or on impairment tests. And so they have this study broken into uh, a couple of areas, cognitive and psychomotor effects of THC, and then testing biofluids for THC. So I'm going to read this real quick and just see if it's if it's uh, of interest to go into it further. Samples of blood, urine, and oral and oral fluid were collected from study participants before cannabis dosing, and then nearly every hour for eight hours after dosing, because we, you and I, both know that there will be a different outcome for smoking it 
uh-huh. ingesting it, vaping it. Tincturing it. Tincturing it. Yeah, yeah. So there are going to be different outcomes. So they needed to find this out. The researchers sent all biofluid samples to a commercial forensics toxicology laboratory to be analyzed for THC as well as non-psychoactive cannabinoids compounds. So the results of the taxology tests showed that the levels of all three targeted cannabis components, THC, cannabidiol, and cannabinol in the blood, urine, and oral fluid did not correlate with cognitive or psychomotor impairment measures for all oral or vaporized cannabis administration. What right. <laughs> did you just say? So what what they found out is that between all the different ways to administer, ad, yeah, take cannabis, uh-huh. that that they did not correlate. Not everyone got impaired. Right. The same way. Gotcha. Okay. And they had, could have had the exact same dose the and delivered the exact same way, and the outcome would have been different. Yes, because, again, it's like but alcohol is pretty, pretty instant and pretty common among most people. Um, but, I mean, that's not true either because a, a heavy person and then a light person, it's going inter- to interact differently. Uh, everybody is different. Now, they did the same thing for, uh, so they had study participants, cognitive and psychomotor performances were assessed using common impairment tests, none of which were currently part of a legal protocol for determining marijuana intoxication but they did this before and after THC dosing. And some of these were like paste serial addition test, digit symbol substitution test, divided attention test, those tasks uh, that we talked about. Uh, yeah, a lot of times they use smartphone apps for these now. Standardized field sobriety test to detect alcohol impairment, including standing on one leg, walk, turn, modified Romberg balance and eye tracking. So after THC dosing, study participants reported feeling heightened drug effects with increased cannabis dosing, dosing or doses. So I'll say that again. After THC dosing, the study participants reported feeling a heightened drug effect. These subjective effects peaked on average three to five hours after oral administration and zero to one hour after vape administration and we we know this but does everybody know this yeah so if you are you know if you're smoking it you're going to get high much quicker if you're eating it it's going to take about 45 minutes to an hour if not longer all right so for vaped thc doses over five milligrams Uh peak cognitive and psychomotor effects were observed zero to two hours after administration and returned to baseline after four hours For oral doses, peak effects were seen in about five hours after after administration, and and psychomotor functioning returned to baseline eight hours after oral administration. And I've always heard you share that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and you you know, there's different forms now. You can drink a marijuana root beer. You can, you know, so. Depending on what you're doing, mm-hmm. um, first of all, and can we just say there is an Uber everywhere in the world pretty much now, so right. we don't even should be driving under any influence. But anyway, you got a little bit of a safe window if you eat an edible and you have to drive home. Yeah, you've got about a half hour. I can also, I got to, I got to tell you part of their conclusions here, the conclusion and implications for law enforcement. The researchers observed that standardized field sobriety tests commonly used to detect driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol were not effective in detecting marijuana intoxication. Right. So this was a conclusion of this very intense uh, research that was done very specifically for the police department. Mm-hmm. E. 
Yeah. 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 It's tough. It's a really tough one. I just say, uh, just don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah. Although, you know, you hear a lot of people say, oh, I drive, I drive better when I'm a little drunk or I drive better when I'm a little high. Yeah. Well, no, you, you really don't. Yeah. You think you do. You think you do. Yeah. So, so some takeaways on this for everybody. Uh, one is it is well known that there is no scientific based testing yeah. out there that can conclusively say say you're impaired none please lean on that statement because if you're in a workplace and you are in a recreational legal recreational state then it is probably your responsibility to have a conversation with your employer and yeah. do it one-on-one -on -one. you don't have to like let everybody know take it up the chain can I understand your policy on THC given that we are a recreational state? And if I use it on Saturday and I come to work on Monday, uh, how will you handle that? And that's a, that's a fair question if you're in a rec state. And your employer does not need to know whether you are rec or medical use. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, uh, you're afraid, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I would be nervous to have that conversation with my employer just yeah. because. And I am an employer. That's getting in your file. I am an employer and let it be in my day. Let it be in the file because these days employers can't act like they did 20 years ago. Right. They I get that. And, and I have to tell you, employees are the ones that are teaching this rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is no longer your business. So, and they've gotten their hands slapped a lot for not listening to that rule. Anyway, let's just keep going. So know that that's a struggle. Know that, um, impairment while driving is still a big problem and there's no way out yet. No. All right. So if you're in a state that does not have DREs, be mindful. It's a, it's a problem. And it, and I mean, the most common problem is also if somebody runs into you yeah. you're not even doing anything That's wrong and you get into true. an accident you're in you're in trouble all right all right so that's a wrap for today's show guys i hope we served you well by digging up this information again hard to get to it but so many people are asking we knew this was a good topic to share with you and i hope we did that well stay tuned for our next show again more exciting stuff coming your way from the Kim and Ed team. <laughs> All right. So thank you again for listening. This is Ed. And this is Kim. We're signing off for today. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the CBD Ed Show. Please join your host, Ed Cheney, for another edition next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. We can also be heard each week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, enjoy the upcoming weekend, and we'll be back with you soon.